There's your buzz from Massive Wagons, and you're listening to Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks. Jay Scott, it's the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. Always appreciate you stopping by, giving us a listen. Don't forget to write us a review. Uh, when you get done listening to this episode, let us know what you think and how we did. Uh, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. Check out all the podcasts on Pantheon Podcast platform at pantheonpodcast.com, on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pantheon Pods. Check out The Hook Rocks wherever you social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Hook Rocks. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone. We've had some awesome episodes since the beginning of the year. We did our album of the year breakdown to start the year off with Chris Corradetti. We did our top 20. We ranked our albums of uh, of 2022. We had Richie Kotzen from The Winery Dogs. We had Rick Nielsen and Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick. We also had some great new artists, too, as well. Austin Mead, Abby Kay, Empire, and Dead Blonde Stars, as well as we talked the Monopoly, that is Ticketmaster and Live Nation, and the current Senate hearings that are happening in D.C. and how that affects you, the live entertainment music fan. We also did the review of the Orianti show that recently happened in Chicago, as well as the Buddy Guy and Leilani Kilgore show. So check that out. And we also interviewed Chris Tapp from the band The Cold Stairs. So they've got a new album coming out this Friday, March 10th. We've got a return guest, a um, a band that is on my top 10 list for things to happen for them in 2023. We had Carl from New Classic Rock in North America on the show in December, and we talked about the bands that we think are going to take uh, the next jump in their popularity. We've had two bands kind of disband already or had a little bit of a shakeup, and that was Joyous Wolf and Thunder Mother. But uh, we're excited to have again um, the band South of Eden, a band that I'm a huge fan of, band that uh, I've been following since they were called Black Coffee. I actually have the Black Coffee CD. And uh, <laughs> really excited to... Talk with them about what's going on, what's been happening, and uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. yeah, thanks for having us again. 
Well, hey, man, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, for those that are listening, we've got Nick, Justin, and Tom from South of Eden. We're going to be talking with them here over the next hour or so about what's been happening. I guess the most important question to ask you guys is, have you seen the season premiere for The Mandalorian? Oh yeah, no, yeah, no. I, I know. Well, I got a, I got a couple flights coming up this week that I'm going to catch up on it. Uh, I can't rewatch the last season, of course. Make of sure course. I'm as sharp as I can be, and then we're going to jump in once we get home. Yeah, watch Boba yeah. Fett first. Boba Fett happens between two and three. Really, you got to watch all of it. I'm just going to start from yeah. season one, Mandalorian, and just go watch Boba Fett again. The yeah. whole thing. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this might be unpopular, but I thought the season opener was a seven out of ten. Damn. It's, just, it's the opener. I was way too short. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it sets up. It sets up what's to come, right? Probably, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. What yeah, what's yeah, to come I, may make it a ten out of ten. Yeah, 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 right. We'll see. Have faith. <laughs> I, I have I have faith in Favreau and Filoni. Yes. So yeah. They, Amen. Uh, and then what they're doing with the Bad Batch is awesome too. Yeah, they needed to get that bitch Kennedy fucking fired. Excuse me. Can I can I swear on here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. I really don't like her at all. <laughs> I don't think any Star Wars fan does. Well, I don't know. My my thoughts are, you know, she doesn't really impact what Favreau and Filoni do. Um, I think on the movie side, she's kind of crashed and burned on a few things. But as well, far that's as where the, I'm, that's where my biggest fear is because we got a big Indiana Jones movie coming out. Harry Ford, God bless him, <laughs> is doing his last uh, hurrah, and uh, there's a lot of stuff on the interwebs right now that are saying that uh, she's she's had her uh, grimy little fingers in that storytelling too. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we don't have to see another one of our heroes get you know burned at the stake. You know, <laughs> yeah. But you know, ever since Luke appeared in the last episode of season two. Uh, which brought a, a tear to my eye, I must say. Uh, I have been, uh, I, I think The Mandalorian is probably top five Star Wars content of all time. I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's like you said, I mean, the, the, it, Favreau and Filoni are the perfect, because, I mean, Favreau started the whole MCU, right? I mean, he, yeah. he, you know, did, he did the first Iron Man movie. Um, and then Filoni worked hand in hand with George Lucas. And I thought, yeah. Like where they start to bring in certain characters like Ahsoka, they brought Cad Bane in at the end of uh, Boba Fett. Like, I think that, like you said, the universe that they're building together. Like, re- I'll talk about it forever. I'll talk about it. Forever. <laughs> Don't give me the look. Like, I should have said Star Wars. <laughs> well, I know from our last conversation that I had with Justin, he's a big Star Wars fan. So, um, I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to ask him. You know, the, the question about the Mandalorian. I just, you know, one thing you got to do before Ahsoka comes is you got to rewatch the, 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 the animated series Rebels because that's right. Ahsoka is supposed to be a sequel to Rebels. So all those characters that were in Rebels will be in Ahsoka. Well, and then to even to, so to, to no, to add, he's, this is an open what? conversation. Go <laughs> no, no, I'm saying he's right. And I'm saying too, like they're doing the, um, the big, the big rumor. I'm sure you, you've heard of this, Jay, like the big rumor they're doing like a Thanos style, like kind of they're thinking about bringing in, um, Grand Admiral Thrawn from the, from the expanded universe novels yes. and, and doing with Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Boba Fett kind of, MCUing it and tying it all in together at the end. I think it's smart. I mean, I love it. Well, there I is a scene 
there is a scene in the first uh, episode of The Mandalorian this season Easy. where Easy. there's a connection. I will say there's a connection to Rebels. So yeah. Does that mean that Grand Animal Thrawn and Ezra are going to be in this season of Mandalorian? It's a good question. We don't know. But there is a moment, a small scene that ties into Rebels in the Mandalorian. Yeah, Bl- yeah. blank and you'll miss it kind of deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Well, yeah. and then, I mean, at the end of that, too, like, I think, because we were, no, we were talking about this the other day. I was like, what do you think is going to be the big cameo in this season of Mandalorian? And I said, I think they're going to save, like, the cameos for Ahsoka. Like, I think that, like, maybe the Mandalorian's established enough as his own thing. Now. Yeah, I mean, you can get through a whole season of Mando where you can have the story be told about all those characters that have already been introduced. And then after that, start, you know, throw, throw. Throw a fucking Anakin Force Ghost in there. Throw a little. I just want to see Maul again. I want to see Maul with the spider legs again. It's gonna happen. I I haven't seen enough of it, and I want more. And I've never had enough Darth Maul. My prediction for the cameo is Mace Windu. (laughs) That would also be awesome. Mace Windu with spider legs. Yeah, everybody was. Everybody gets spider legs. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, the last time I spoke with Justin, I've spoken with Ehab um, since then, but the last time. You and I talked, Justin. It was right after the talk EP. And that conversation was about the music that was released and about how that was going to be a precursor to the album that was going to come out the following year. And that didn't happen. So what's been going on? What's been going on with South of Eden? Um, I know you guys just released a physical copy of the new album and South of Eden fans are awaiting the streaming of it. So. Walk us through what's been happening over the last couple of years. Yeah, so there's a lot to tackle there. Obviously, the um, the the biggest thing that happened is is that we became you know we we became free agents again. So um, once COVID hit, you know um, we're you know let's let's call it for what it is. We're a band that's trying to establish ourselves in the market and and build our fan base um from the ground level up and unfortunately the record company that we were working with um you know they give them credit where credit's due they held on to us as long as they can in terms of where they were you know they they you, you can only everybody has to speak to somebody right everybody has to answer questions to somebody so i think covid forced a lot of the record companies to start kind of tightening the herd trimming the herd tightening the screws all that stuff and they they simply just stopped working on bands who are trying to build from the ground up like we are. And that's what we've seen with a lot of the record companies, because we've had conversations with them, um, you know, trying to find somebody else, trying to figure out, is it the better route to just go on our own and do it on our own? So and that's kind of where where we are now, where, like you mentioned, we released um we released an EP uh, just last week. Um, physical copies. Our uh, streaming service should be. There's a little delay in that, unfortunately, but uh, the new EP should be out um, at least by the end of this week, um, at the latest. Um, and we had we decided basically to with with streaming content with um, everybody getting so used to you know having something thrown in their face every five seconds. We split the album in half. So we're going to release the second um, second half of the album, second EP, whatever you want to call it, 
um, in July or August. So let's let's back up real quick. Oh, though. we're right. There's a let's, lot. Yeah. Let's back up. This is this is a whole new album. This is this, not, yeah. This, this is yeah. not. This has the music that we are releasing now and preparing to release in July is not has nothing to do with with the music that was in um the talk yeah the to the the continuation of the talk ep and that you know again just calling it for what it is you know we retain all the rights to the music because we wrote 100 percent of the music um unfortunately being a new up-and-coming band in order to go and record for two weeks at sun sound sunset sound studios and record with a producer like greg wells and all these things that we can't even hope and dream to afford you've got to have somebody to foot the bill so what happened was the the record company decided, you know, they they own the recordings. We own the songs. So we are able to re-record those six songs that we missed out on um, in losing the relationship and partnership with the label um, in about two years from now. So that'll be like a really easy, quick, quick and fast way to go in the studio for three days and knock it out and then get have a whole new, batch, a new of batch of songs released to people. Unfortunately, you know that just kind of that kind of curtailed our entire i mean it, it threw it threw everything kind of off the track so we've been kind of picking up the pieces but the the music um i i think i can speak for everybody is not you know it's not like it's like we went in and recorded a bunch of you know songs that didn't make the the record that we recorded in LA we actually did all new songs and it you know that the split with the label inspired a whole new batch of writing so um and we're and we're really we're constantly writing there's never a time where we're not working on some kind of skeleton of multiple songs at once it's just kind of how we work so you know when we we're already was, writing the next album right yeah now. yeah and we're, we haven't even released all of yeah. this one yet but uh but yeah i mean and we already have multiple songs for that one that we're working on uh but you know it was definitely it was definitely a curve in the road uh to not be able to release the rest of the songs off you know, that would have come after the talk EP. Uh, but like I said, you know, we're, we constantly have a revolving uh, category or a catalog of songs that we're writing and working on. Uh, so we picked, you know, all of our favorites out of them, wrote a bunch of new ones. Um, and then that's what you're hearing on uh, table of four. As far as creating and, and doing new music, obviously Lone Riders came out last year, which was a great, tune uh one of my favorite songs of the year um thank you but what is what's that like having to essentially start over you guys sound like you are a complete diy band at this time kind of yeah and it, i mean it was it was rough i think on all of us um that with the whole covid thing happening whatever but we've kind of put that behind us it's like there's no sense in looking back we just got to move forward with it and when you can't get upset at yourself for something that's completely out of your control, right? Like we, I mean, we're human. So we like, you know, spent, t you know, like Nick said, like it was disappointing. Like we still love those songs just as much as we love any of them. But at the same time, like you can't dwell on it. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean, we're onward and upward. And when you look at bands that are out right now, that are having success, like take a dirty honey for example they they have had no record contract they've been a diy band since you know they, they started won. getting their break and stuff so it was kind of like you know maybe maybe this is a blessing i mean that's kind of how i'm looking at it. it's a blessing in disguise now because we have total freedom you know and the, a part of this that i think that 
not a lot of people realize because they're not as involved, you know, as we are, as, as, as how hard and what we had to go through to get just those four songs on the talk EP released because we finished that record and delivered it to the label mixed and mastered in October, late October of 2019 and by all accounts and all measurements, like you don't releasing an album in the fourth quarter, it just gets buried by holidays and this and that you can't tour on it. So, well, we're going to release it in, you know, February, March, and you guys are going to tour all next year. And then we all know what happened in 2020. So, you know, there was a big back and forth between us, the powers that be of, okay, we want to release it now. Well, we want to wait. Well, okay, we got to release something. Okay, so then that turned into four songs that we thought were not maybe necessarily the four quote-unquote best songs, but four songs that best exemplified the entirety of the album and what the entirety of the album had to offer. Um, We didn't pick those four songs, you know, knowing that those were going to be the only four that were going to be released. Unfortunately, that's not, you know, how it worked out, but, um, you know, yeah, it was a, it was a big pivot, but now we're, you know, we're on and up. We've got, um, you know, a tour that we're working on for this year, um, some festival, uh, cruise, different opportunities that were, um, that we're getting, you know, contract offers and stuff. So we're going to be this year. Like I said, that's the blessing in disguise. Now we're in control of all of it. Um, so we, we get can to really just, get out there. We get to, yeah, we get to do it like we knew best, you know, kind of in the black coffee days, which is just load it in the trailer and go, man. You know, your story is a common one. I can't tell you how many artists and bands that I've talked to who've experienced things very similar to what you have. I mean, bands having their album shelved for two, three years. Um, an artist being on a, a huge tour and um, fighting with the record label to get the album out and the, uh, and the, and the record label won't put it out. Uh, so it's, it's a common theme, unfortunately, that is part of the music business. And obviously with COVID, it had an extra layer to, to it being complicated. But unfortunately for a lot of young bands and a lot of young artists, this does happen. And usually when there's a delay, you know, like with you guys had, I tell people, I almost can guarantee that it's a, it's a record label issue. It is a common story. I mean, you look all the way back. I mean, listen to have a cigar by Pink Floyd and there's, you know, there's people in the Ray Charles era and the Aretha Franklin era, you know, bitching about record labels and stuff. So it's a, it's a tune well known. And, uh, you know, I think, I think that was part of what made it kind of, easier on us to be able to to forge through it is that so many people have you know so many people have gone through it and come out the other side before us you know and they've written a lot of songs about it and they put a lot of info in their lyrics so if you listen closely it's uh there's always a message of hope out there you know for any young band that may ever deal with something like that and to speak to doing it yourself you mentioned dirty honey you know, who has this very small team around them that, you know, is, it's just full of supporting what the band's vision is. And then, you know, talking with Tyler Bryant this past October, they just released their first independent album. And one of the things that he talked about in, in our conversation was the fact that they can put out music anytime they want. They don't have to wait for a schedule. They don't have to wait for the approval of a record company. In fact, they just 
released the first single of an EP that they're coming out with. They just released the first single, I think, last week um, after their album that came out. I think it was October. So, oh, nice. you know, when you when you are a DIY, obviously there's there's more on your plate and there's more that you got you know that you have to handle. But you do have that freedom of kind of being your own boss at this point, you know, kind of running your own business. So it's it's in this day and age, it's it's really not the end of the world. Maybe it was back in the 80s or the 90s when this would happen. But now, because you have access to so many different platforms and avenues of doing things, it, it really isn't, you know, it's it's no longer the, the, the death grip that a lot of bands faced years ago. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, there's plenty, there's plenty of examples out there right now that, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like Tommy said, it's a badge of honor. I mean, <laughs> I mean I've seen, we've, we've all heard the stories, Tom Petty, Van Halen, ACDC, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, they all got, and they all got fucked. And then it's the same, I mean, it's, it's not, Guns and, Roses, and, Alice and, Chain, and I will, Wolf, oh, I mean, it goes on forever. <laughs> and the, the thing I will say about ours is, is we like, we fought like hell to get ours. Most bands don't get the writing credit. They, most bands, when they start from nothing, like we did, don't get to keep, we, we signed on, I think the third draft, um, which, you know, our representation is awesome, you know, said that's like really unheard of for a band of your stature. So we fought like hell, man. And, um, like I said, the good news is, is we'll have a really easy, you know, three quarters of an album to record in in two years and just and just drop it but like you said i mean with social media and everything now being what it is you know you didn't have it streaming you didn't have all that stuff in the 70s and 80s and 90s and um it's just a different it's a different world so it's kind of like you know being a band like us where we're you know trying to kind of i don't you know would bring rock to the forefront you know whatever you want to call it like you know, we've all heard these stories and this, you know, this is just part of, this is part of what you sign up for. So it's life. Like you know? what you said, it's kind of a badge of honor. It's, kind of, <laughs> right. it's like, it's almost like if it didn't happen, then I'd be worried. Then I'd be like, okay, what's <laughs> well, going we wrong? We got it too easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the deal that you guys signed, you know, when I talked with Ehab, you know, was very competitive and very similar to what Greta did, you know? And, you know, at that time when Greta signed that contract, and correct me if I'm wrong, if, if I'm wrong on this, but when Greta signed that contract, that was unheard of. And for you guys to kind of have a pretty close footing as to what they did, I mean, that speaks to the, you know, how you guys were in demand, um, when, when this all happened and went down. And unfortunately, COVID kind of sidetracked it. But I guess my question coming from that statement is, how do you guys, or what's the plan for you guys to, to recoup that momentum that you had? Well, I think a big part, not to cut you off, I think a big part of it is, is what we've already been, you know, doing in the writing and recording of our songs, take channeling that energy, um, and emotion and putting it towards the music. music. Um, and then, I mean, man, we just had a bitchin' hometown show for our EP release on Friday. It was sold out. Um, to feel that energy in the room again was like, I mean, it's, it's like, cloud nine for all of us it's our it's our favorite drug so it's like um you know and then and then doing what we're doing now which is you know booking these shows for the spring and summer and loading it up in the trailer and going man i mean that's all we we that's all we know like when we were um black coffee and getting all like you said getting stuff thrown i mean my god i could 
spend the next hour talking about the list of producers and record CEOs and managers and all it was I mean it's it's exactly like I you know not to be a cliche it's exactly like you've read about you know when when you get a sniff of somebody you know thinking you could you could do you know make some noise and do something they swarm in like vultures but part of it too is like you <laughs> get to like you get to talk to these people like Mike Clank who were responsible for fucking one of the best albums of all time, Appetite of Destruction. Then you're on the phone with Greg you mean Wells. For Destruction. Whatever. I'm fucking. <laughs> I'm a. I'm a fifty-fifty Guns N' Roses fan. But you get <laughs> talking to these people that you. I mean, you know, if you told any of us when we were fucking fourteen years old, we'd be like, sold, done, <laughs> done. like that's it. That's the top of the mountain. We're never gonna fucking be able to fucking cross that. But I mean, it's you know. Well, and, and like, and like you said, Jay, in terms of like momentum and rebuilding it and stuff, I think, uh, like Justin said, you know, using that to channel into the music, using all the emotion and, you know, that's when the best music, you know, ever really comes around. You know, you think about like Fleetwood Mac and rumors, like that shit was disintegrating around them while they wrote that album. And it's a complete you know, generational masterpiece. What you know? good story has ever been told without a little bit of fucking well, drama? Friction. You know, friction, it's just drama. Makes and, yeah, that's just okay. the, that's how it is. But having the new music... Uh, You're not going to watch a movie if it's all fucking goody gun, gumdrops, the whole thing. There's got to be a bottom and a climb. Are you kidding me? I fucking love way. Clifford the Big Red Dog. That's just, <laughs> dude, that is good vibes all the fucking time, man. Come on. You know about Clifford, right? Yeah, I know Clifford. <laughs> I know. But, uh, but having the music, having the the shows that we're going to be having uh, set up for the summer and the fall and the spring. That was my third one I was missing. Uh, <laughs> but just getting back to it. You know, this band, it's it's been said many a times amongst ourselves, but this band only works and it works the very best when we have something that we're shooting towards. You know what I mean? Something, a show coming up, music re- being released that we have to push you know, doing music videos and stuff. And we're, and we're getting back into the swing of things. Cause you know, when, when you have a boss, you work when they tell you to work versus when you're your own boss and you're building it for yourself, you kind of end up working all the time, you know? And so constantly having that goal, constantly having that, whatever it is that we're knocking out uh, shows to play videos, to make photo shoots, to do songs, to record gear, to repair, whatever, as long as we have something to chew on, then we're moving and uh, and building up momentum. So that's just, you know, getting back on that horse with the new music being the catalyst is how we're going to do it. How do you keep this together? I mean, having what you wanted more or less snatched away, regrouping and rebuilding. I mean, this is a day and age where bands play with other artists and do other things. And it's it's not as difficult for a band member to leave as it was years ago, right? Because you have so many different opportunities. Opportunities are also scarce in, 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 in certain ways too, but there's a lot of different things that you could go out and do. And to have the music that you guys were, were putting out, which was great. And then having this delay and kind of suspend what you guys were doing, it's got to be hard to keep the family together. You know, how did you guys, how did you guys push through that? How did you guys manage that? Well, I drink a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah dad he goes down hard on the bottom and he takes it out on us I yell at all the kids just a goddamn it that guitar solo what the fuck was yeah. <laughs> no 
<laughs> I mean, the way the way you phrased that was like it's past tense, but it's I mean, it's always it's always a struggle, you know. That, but it's like Tommy said, as long as there's something to work towards, then it all kind of sticks together. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's always been an open invitation too. Like Nick joined this band when he had his like playful with another band, Harmless Habit, that like he's still in and he still loves just as much as this. And like, there's no, there's no, you know, I we've never put any pressure on him for that. So it's kind of like, you know, and E Hobbs done stuff and record with people. Tommy, good. Nobody invites me to do anything, but Tommy <laughs> does that. They all do stuff. I'm like the hermit. Um, oh, it's okay, Paul. Paul, I know, but it's okay. I don't get out much. <laughs> but uh, they, um, I mean, at the end of the day, too, like we're all. I mean, if I'm not playing music, I'm hanging out and working on cars with this guy or bugging this guy for some repair on something. You know, like we would all just. I mean, we if, even if we were to go and look for something else, we'd look for a couple weeks and spin our wheels trying to find something that fits, and then we just all wind up back in the same exact spot. Like. It just kind of is, you know. Well, and that and that's the thing. Like we're all we're all pretty strange in our own uh, in our own right. Like we all have our own things that we're weird about. But I feel like I feel like when we're all together, I feel like there's no judgment or anything. We all kind of just accept each other, and we all came up in the same scene, have a lot of the same friends. You know, the the whole the whole scene here is really like one big extended family kind of amongst the musicians. We all know each other. We all grew up, you know, playing in different setups together and stuff so you know being that being that group being those dudes that accept each other and you you know i know any stupid thing can come out of my mouth and they're definitely going to bust my balls about it but like there's not you know going to be any kind of weirdness they're not going to think i'm a strange person or whatever you know having that kind of connection with each other really makes it easy to stick together land like nick said you know it's all of us working towards the common goal and we all know that you know the ship won't move unless we're all putting effort into it and that's you know it's what keep you know, it's, the, it's, it's the chain that binds us together <laughs> referring back to Fleetwood Mac well <laughs> it also has to be in my opinion if I had a situation like this it would it would almost motivate me to not let the suits win yeah you, know I mean? you know you guys built something that was that was magic you know when, when you guys were you know putting out the EP and black coffee and all this stuff and you know the business side took that away so if you do decide to go separate ways it's almost like you let the business side win you know and, and it's it's where, where where the passion lies with the band is the music and to see this through with all the challenges and all the hurdles that you guys have had um i think you know, with any success that you that comes your way it'll be way more rewarding at this point yeah yeah, I mean, and then like to that point too. If there's if there's success, then it falls on us, right? And if there's failure, it falls on us because we're the ones that are doing, you know, doing it all. You know, I mean, we're we're all in house, baby. Taxes, finances, <laughs> trucking, moving. We can start so many, yeah, so many businesses now. <laughs> That's what we always say. We're like, well, if the band ever works out, well, we could we could open a diesel repair shop. We could open an instrument repair shop. We could open a, a moving, moving company. A badass moving uh, we company. could move it. We could open a live audio company. We could yeah. open. I mean, there's just so much shit, you know, random, you know, when you're doing it all in house, we hell, we could open a t-shirt press. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in it, I mean, like we said earlier, like that, I mean, it pisses you off. It's not like, you know, it's, you know, 
um, it's not like it's a small deal. Obviously it's a, it's a big deal, but at the same time, you know, like we said earlier, you just, you can't, you can't dwell on shit like that. Like it's kind of, if you do, then like you said, the suits win or the negative energy went evil win. you know, it's all good versus evil. Right. So like we're trying Sith, to like Star, Wars. like Star Wars. Yeah. We were going up against the empire, dude. What do you want us to do? Like, fuck, I'm not Luke Skywalker. The, well, Sith, Lord, the Sith Lord always loses. Yes. Exactly. Well, and that's what we're, you know, we're powering up right now. We're taking our time at the temple and we're regrouping. Okay? I, I don't know. Personally, I think I think maybe like Warner Brothers circa 1975 would be like the Empire. Nowadays, it's more just like the First Order, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> very good point. That's a great perspective. Back in the day, yeah, yeah. Well, because record labels don't have any vision anymore, right? I mean, there isn't a guy at the head of a record label who says, "Hey, stop the beat." I like I like their sound. I like that. I like that band. Let's let's sign them and, and nurture and grow them, right? Let's give them three albums. You know, now you come to the table. Well, this is how many followers we have. This is how many streams we have. This is how many whatever we have. It's like you're already a proven product. So there's no risk on the record label or for the record label. You do all the work. They reap the benefit, take most of the money and, you know, just sign you to one, one album deal or two album deals, maybe. So there's no vision with any of the record labels anymore. I mean, for, for crying out loud, Capitol Records signed an AI artist, which, well, I mean, that's, I mean, well, but I mean, that's the, to be frank, that's the fucking scary part, right? Yeah. I mean, when you see these like AI, um, apps and stuff where you can click through and I'm talking as I'm talking to you now. And then all of a sudden I'm Joe Biden or I'm Donald Trump or I'm Robert De Niro, like, and the it's deep, not are you like, talking about the deep fake shit? The deep, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, and so it's kind of like one of those things where you got the music AI shit where it's like, okay, uh, here's the entire Metallica ca- uh, catalog, write a Metallica song. And then it's like the best fucking Metallica song you've heard since <laughs> fucking like 1982, <laughs> right? And then like, um, it like, so that, that part of it, to be frank, is just fucking terrifying. It is. Um, and, and the big thing is, is that like, it's like um if you've ever seen that um like short clip of like Frank Zappa talking about it and he was talking about this and like what that would have been 90s. in the late 80s early 90s I can't remember when he died but his whole point then was like okay back in the day all there were were cigar chomping suits and the cigar back in the 60s and 70s and 50s like they weren't, you know, they never, they and, knew they weren't connected to the youth. They knew they weren't connected to the music. Yeah. That's that they knew that they needed artists to write music because they weren't musicians, they're businessmen. So now when a business person or a record label realizes, Hey, now we don't need the musicians anymore. That's fucking scary because then well, that becomes like they could then, then, I mean, they already have what 98.9% of control that gives them at total control you know hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out. 
because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I just can't believe, though, an audience would accept that. Like I know yet to yet to be seen. Well, and that's the yet to be seen. And then that's the yeah. thing where people, you know, people get on Gene Simmons's ass when he says rock is dead. And I understand why it's like, okay, there's a lot of bands that are carrying the torch that aren't getting the, that aren't getting the looks that they should get. But his whole overarching point is like, there used to be a time where you'd walk down the street and everybody was dressed like David Lee Roth because David Lee Roth was the coolest fucking thing in the world. Or there was a time when people were dressing like fucking, you know, Bond, whatever, you know. And now it's like all the people who were on a big stage, you know, that are carrying the rock and roll torch. They've been doing this for 40 or 50 years and yeah. God love them and God bless them for still fucking doing it. But then it's like, yeah, we when some, it. and that's the problem where it's like when somebody hears back in black. And they go, oh, man, they don't make it like this anymore. Well, they do. But are you willing to find it? You know what I mean? Not, yeah. It's not easy to find. And, and, no. it's not, and, and that's the Gene Simmons thing, right? Where it's like it's not being pushed out there on a forefront level where, like, again, like the pop stars of the 70s and 80s were Mick Jagger and David Lee Roth and. Uh, well, you know, even back th- even back then, you had your pop artists like you know Sonny and Cher and like you know ABBA and all that stuff that were like doing the doing the more just commercialized. Yeah, right, yeah, but those right, pop right, artists like, were actually those pop artists were actually playing the music, playing you know? and writing it. Right when you they were writing it and they like, were actually playing the instruments. Right, you listen to an old Earth, Wind, and Fire record, and you're like, "My God, these guys are some of the like best musicians of the fucking Casey world." Casey and the Sunshine Band, Casey and the Sunshine Band, uh, crazy. Uh, uh, Steely Dan, Dire Straits. Like, I mean, there's so many go on forever, but like, 
you know, now, you know, what you've seen the thing where it's like, it takes, it takes some fucking 22 people to come up with a Beyonce song that has 12 lyrics to it. And it's yeah. like, you know, how does, how does that happen? Or it's, you know, somebody who's, you know, when they were like 12 years old, their dad was like, Hey, sweetheart, you want a show on Disney channel called Hannah Montana? <laughs> well, gee, thanks dad. And now she's out there like, Oh, my life is so hard. Shut up. Your life's not fucking hard. You know, hey, I'm just saying, I wish I had a Disney channel. I do too, but it didn't fucking old. happen. So what are we going to do? <laughs> I'd watch that Disney channel. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, when you, when you think about what we're talking about, you, you, then you get a blowhard like Adam Levine who says I mean, rock is boring. It's, it's not innovative. And I'm like, what's, what's exciting and innovative about pop music now? What? Because they use a new program, you know, to, to sing into or to, you know, to level out everything or to whatever, a new, a new drum track program or what's so innovative about pop music? What's innovative about rap these days? It's not, it's all the same song to me. It, it, there's no different. It's like one giant song. So when I hear that comment, and as I've been pushing on this show for almost the four years that I've been doing it is the young rock bands and the young rock artists are just as good as the Van Halens and the Zeppelins and all these other bands that came out before it's just the focus isn't there like like it used to be i mean when you hear the bands today they're they're awesome they're great and you know if you're a baseball fan i've used this analogy before if you're a yankee fan and Derek jeter retires and there's a new shortstop you don't stop being a yankee fan you keep watching the yankees so why why don't rock fans do that and and i guess the people from my generation, because I'm almost 50, you know, kind of get set in their ways. They kind of get comfortable in their own in their own box. But for the new generation, they're being sold what really they're being sold something that that is not true. There's no truth to it. When when you see these TikTok artists playing a cover of Eruption or whatever. That's great. You know, there's, there's some level of talent in order to do that, right? But they're not writing their own music. They're not performing in front of an audience at a club where you got one guy swearing at you and screaming at you. You know, they're taking something that's already been created and getting followers from it. And then record companies are signing these TikTok artists based on how many followers they have, even though they've never written a song and they'll probably never play a live show. So. It's just, like I said, the lack of vision is just, is, is just does not exist anymore in the music business. There's not a guy at a head of a record label going, I think we can work with that band. I don't care how many streams they have. They sound good. They're good. Let's, let's get them in here. Well, that's, that, I think, it, I mean, it's, it's all money, right? We, everything's all money. Um, and I think it all, everything that you just said right there, I think ties into each other. Cause I think it's like, if you look statistically, the majority of rock fans are of the older generation, right? Because rock hasn't been at the forefront, because rock hasn't been pushed to younger generations since grunge, right? Um, so I think the demographic is the older generation. And I think the older generation, like you said, kind of falls into their rut and wants to listen to the stuff that came out when they were young and doesn't have as much of a drive to find the new stuff where the younger generation would. And I think the labels see that. And I think that the TikTok uh, cover people see, see that. 
And I think they see a market and an opportunity to make money. And so they, they do what people want to see because unfortunately there's a lot, they, like you said, there's a lot of rock fans that would rather spend their 30 seconds on that video watching some 14 year old rip eruption than they would to watch a new 22 year old band, you know, playing some song that they wrote with their guitar solo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answer is, but you know, I think it's, I think it's get rock back to the forefront, get rock back to the younger generation. Cause you know, once they pick up on it and start pushing it, then I think that'll kind of, it always does. It always pulls the older generation with them. Like, okay, well maybe these kids are doing something cool. Um, and, and Greta Van Fleet did that effect. They had, they did that quite effectively. They got in, they were able to push themselves to the forefront in whatever way. And, uh, and they got in with the younger generation, which then the older generation was like, okay, well, these dudes do rock. And that's how, you know, that's what's led to the success that you see with them. But, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's quite a bit more difficult to get yourself to the forefront nowadays as a band that plays instruments, um, you know, than it used to be. What's the hardest thing now that you're doing everything in-house for you guys? I mean, there's the music Fucking aspect, that. there's the management aspect, <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many different things, but what do you, what's the biggest challenge for you guys now? I mean, it's I, I, less well, challenges. It, yeah, <laughs> I think, right. That's the big part of it, right. Is like going back to what we used to do before we had a record label. You know, there's no more, there's no more outside influence. There's no more asking permission, asking permission. There's no more, there's none of that. It's, it's following anyone else's timeline. But well, to, to actually answer that probably now that I'm thinking, but the, the hardest thing is, is, is the financial side of it, right? Well, yeah. When you don't have somebody who's signed the check, you know, to go and put you up in a studio or put you up in a rehearsal space or whatever, you know, we have our awesome rehearsal space here, but you know, now we're paying completely out of pocket for studio time again and paying out of pocket for videos and out of pocket for all of our production, all of our, um, you know, when we put shows on, you know, when we, if we want a lighting rig or a, or a photography team, you know, we pay everything's in house, you know, and we take care of the people that take care of us, which is nice, you know, like being able to oversee all of it, um, and make sure nobody gets slighted is awesome. But I mean, that's really, I mean, the money side of it is it, but then, you know, like I said, again, it's kind of like, you know, and you said earlier, like, it's kind of like starting over. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, it's, it can be, it can, it can only be a negative if you look at it as such. If you look at it as an opportunity, like, you know, we had when we first started this band, well, then it becomes a little bit more, it became, it becomes a little bit more attainable, you know, and you don't, if we sit here and think about all the negatives, which, you know, which, we all do because we're human but it just does nothing but exert useless energy so it's just better to just keep up keep positive because that's kind of the only the only option well it's kind of it's kind of fun because you know it's like you get to you get to go back to being independent you get to go back to being in total control but this time you know so much more i mean this whole time we've been going along every second we've been in this band we've been learning becoming better not only musicians but businessmen and you know, every, every part of the whole entire aspect, like Justin said, for years, we did it all on our own. So we learned the hard way then. And then we got to go through a couple of years of seeing how a bunch of other people do it and a, a bunch of different ideas. And oh, we like that. And we don't like that. And, you know, 
keep that in the bank and forget about that. That's a bad idea. But, you know, now that we're back to doing everything on our own, we've actually been able to implement all those things that we had wished were different, you know, that we had learned been like, well, if we were independent, we'd do it this way, but you know, it's a business. So we got to work with them. Um, but now that we're independent again, we can kind of go through to all that stuff and say, well, actually we can just do it our way now. <laughs> and the only reason that it's taken us this amount of time to get new music out is because, you know, a, there's the financial side of it. We all have job, you know, day jobs. Unfortunately, we all have to pay our bills. We all have to do this and that and the other thing. Um, but on top of that, you know, it's like, you know, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going? <laughs> my apologies. Had a very, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about uh, the, you know, the, you know, the finances being the biggest challenge and. Yeah, that's the only that's the only thing that's really slowed up any kind of new music is, uh, you know, the production costs. Oh, that's what I was saying. The music and the production costs and everything. And then we hold, you know, we have such a high standard of what we want our music to sound like, too. So it's like it's not as simple as, you know, just just, you know, we're you know, we're not necessarily that's what makes it. That's probably what makes it a little bit more convoluted is like we're not necessarily you know it's not we're not like a widely known band there are we're fortunate to have the fan base that we have um and you know but we're still starting this from you know trying to build ourselves up from scratch so that's where that's where it gets it gets tricky because you have music that's already been released under a label music that was recorded at in my opinion the greatest freaking studio known to man sunset sound <laughs> i mean we can talk a whole you know whole show to talk about sunset sound and that now we have we have so there's that standard where we do have enough music out to where that the standard of the music that we release now has to either meet that or, you know, we really want it to be better. You know, it makes it a little bit tougher because we're not startup. We can't just plug into our, you know, uh, pro tools from our laptop in our bedroom like we could you know, six years, seven years ago when we're just trying, we're established enough to where that we have to think about what we're releasing, but we're still trying to build ourselves up, if that makes sense. And we're also not the kind of band that, you know, gets done recording and then hands them off and says, okay, go ahead and mix them, master them for us. We'll see them. Yeah, and we'll see what all, they say. yeah it's like you know. we get the first mix, revise it, second mix, revise, you know, third, fourth, fifth, however many times it takes. We're all, you know, we have a group chat with our producer. Um, engineer uh and you know he'll here's a new mix i did what do you guys think it's a, it's a complete effort between all five of us um to to go through step by step and mix it so that's another thing too is when you have you know it was it was more of a back in the day thing but when you have more of that relationship that old school relationship where it's like the band comes in and records and then they hand it off and they listen to it once it's finished um we have a much more modern approach to it where we we're in it every step of the way. Um, and so, you know, sometimes it takes a little time, but it ends up in being a, a better product and a better representation of who we are and better music. So that's the way we always will do it that way. Really. What excites you about the new music? Oh man, <laughs> playing it in front of a crowd. <laughs> uh, that's God. There's a lot that excites me about it. Yeah, it's definitely different. We took a way different approach to it than, uh, than the, uh, the talk EP stuff. Um, I, you just have to, you just have to hear it because I could say a million things, but, uh, you, 
this week, right? Ne- well, yeah, this, this week, this right? Week, there, yeah, we had we well, it's it's twofold, right? We had the little snafu with our um, uploading with streaming, but then that also kind of wound up being a little bit of a blessing in disguise for our hometown fans because we were able to reward them the night of our, our release show with, hey, you guys get this as a you know exclusive sneak peek before anybody else does. Um, but, you know, like, it still sounds like us, we're still coming from the same place, but I think that the way that, like Nick said, the way we approached it, um, you know, is probably, you know, it's different than the last time when we were in part of that becomes financial part of that's experimentation, experimentation, right? When you have somebody front foot in the bill to, to record on tape, which is very expensive and very time consuming. Awesome. Great. We don't have to worry about it. And then also, you know, when you're doing it from home, like you don't have access to all that. But, you know, the, Nick can really speak on the Sonic. Um, the, I guess the, the biggest difference is sonically, not necessarily in the songwriting. Um, it just sounds, man, it sounds, it's, it's a little bit louder. It's a little bit heavier. It's a little bit sonically more, yeah. more modern where it's like, you know, we, we go back and forth until we're blue in the face on what's better, what's whatever. But to me, when I put my headphones in, um, it's no different than turning a ta- turntable on. It's like I love music that sounds like it was recorded in 1974 on an eight track because that's part of the vibe of why we love that music. And then also I love hearing my favorite bands from the 70s and 80s putting music out in the 21st century because sonically you can do so much more with miking and mixing and and even just the decibel ratio of like what what modern day speakers and headphones can handle versus what they could back in the day and like i said i'm kind of talking out my ass but nick can actually like appropriately talk to that yeah, I mean, you you kind of lost me there a little bit. <laughs> I got lost in the sauce on that one. But you got lost in the song. Yeah, no, sonically, it's it's objectively better. Um, <laughs> I think the songwriting's better too, honestly. Yeah, that's the thing with us is like uh, every every time we record a new song or write a new song, I feel like it takes another step up just in terms of enjoyment personally. You know, songwriting ability, that kind of stuff. You know, they get stuck in my head better. Your newest ideas are always the best ones too, right? I mean, it's like, that's just the way that it's kind of like, um, you know, unless you're you us, unless you're you too. <laughs> so is it more dancing with fire or more lone riders or something else completely different? It's almost, yes. it's almost like lone riders is but, probably the, op- that's probably the bridge, right? Yeah. I mean, there's still, I mean, there's like, it's all rock, it's all rock, but there's just different. You'll just have to check it out. It's hard to, it's hard to, I can, guess, explain. Can we just send him a copy after? Yeah, this? yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. send you, I'll send you the music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That would be fantastic. I think last time we talked, Justin, I told you about my now 18 year old son who, <laughs> when you guys put out the talk EP, him and his friends were all on Snapchat up till midnight waiting for that to be released. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So it was kind of like the back in the day when I used to go to the record store on a Monday night and wait in line till midnight. Yeah. And they were waiting wait for the stream to, to hit. To <laughs> when I can go back to them and say, hey, let, hey, I got I got something for you. Yeah. <laughs> I got a link. Dad's got some cool <laughs> shit, boy. Come here and listen to it. Yeah. No, I mean, and that was exciting to see because, we, you know, as we talked earlier in the conversation about connecting with the youth, I think. 
anytime you put rock music in front of young people, it will connect on its own. It just will, right? Because it's angst, it's attitude, it's something that they're not used to hearing. You know, the, the world is not all Cardi B and whoever, you know, and but I, I think anytime you put rock in front of a young kid, um, it, it speaks to that. It speaks to that youth. It speaks to that, that whatever they're going through, right? It, it's yeah. always been a voice for young people from my age to well before, you know, I was around. It's always had that, that connection. So it's just a matter of exposing kids to it and getting them to like it and getting them to listen to it. And, you know, as a parent raising him, I think, I think he was, I think nine or 10 years old, I went out and I bought a CD player, an actual CD player. And I bought him like six or seven CDs for Christmas, like the actual physical copies. Oh yeah. And he's, and he's had a relationship with music because of he's, he, he appreciates that you can touch it that you can feel it, that you can you know open it up and see it. And that speaks to when I was young, having an album that would be a babysitter for me for however long I listened to it. I would go in my room and I would close my door and I would put the headphones on and just listen to it all day because that's what, you know, we did. Um, so I think it just needs that connection. And I don't know why record labels or whoever distributes the music is afraid of doing that for kids, afraid of giving that to kids. Maybe they think it's not going to, but every time I I, I see a young person listening to rock music, there's always an instant connection. Yeah. And I yeah. mean, I mean, well, I mean, we all experience, look it. at us. Yeah. I mean, we were all like that. We were all lucky enough to, it seems like you're either in one of two categories. You either grow up, absolutely despising the music that your parents listen to or you love it and you latch on to it and we were lucky that our parents listened to really good music and we latched on to it and i don't know what you know i don't know what the answer is to bring up a generation again that is more excited about picking up a guitar or putting a pair of drumsticks in their hands instead of a freaking iphone or an xbox controller but you know that you know that I don't know if we're ever going to get back to to a lot of that, and that's the weird thing where it's like we have to bring rock and roll into it. It's never going to be like it was in terms of the seventies, eighties, nineties. So, what can we do as young artists to try and stay true to ourselves and to the music and to you know what we love, which is good, plain meat and potatoes rock and roll, and somehow. Uh, deliver it in a way to to that's inspiring to youth. I mean, that's like that's what everybody that's trying to do what we're doing is trying to do. You know, um, to that, that, to to that point, I think that's where the new record actually um, does a really good job because, like you said earlier, with you like listening to records that sound old, and I don't, I don't think the youth really does they don't know what that is a lot of them so i think putting something out that's sonically more similar to the music that people hear is actually attractive to young kids which is why i think it's a very important aspect of it and that could be a sub uh subconscious thing too because like when you're you know 
808s are banging, dude. You got it. 808s are banging, dude. Banging, dude. When you in the club, you got to compete yeah. with that. So yeah, I agree. To, we have to craft a, a kick drum that sounds has elements of an 808 in it, but also still sounds like a kick drum. You know? Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird blending because you know we're we're people that listen to everything from 50s soul to pop music that came out yesterday. Obviously, mo- you know a lot of classic rock, but the heaviest, fastest, nastiest metal all the way down to folk rock with one dude and a man, you know, a mandolin, like between the four of us, we legitimately love every single one of those music types. And so there's always, it's, you know, it's, it's always a balance. And I honestly, I think that's, I think that's something that's always benefited us is a, you know, we're not all just, you know, you know, we have such wide tastes in music that it all ends up shining through and all kinds of different sonic profiles end up getting showcased and uh that's just one of the things i like about us as far as touring you mentioned getting in the the van and hooking a trailer up and and playing wherever you can play what what markets are you going to go into i know you guys have you know primarily stay columbus arkansas i think louisiana and alabama you did some stuff too um where do you guys see yourselves going this coming year, I know I've got my vote in for the Chicago area, so <laughs> that comes that that happens. But where, where yeah, do you guys? Yeah, well, it's we, funny we about Chicago. It's funny know. that you bring that up because I actually my very next phone conversation after this conversation is going to be um, with our booking agent and um, going through a couple of the offers that we have, um, and then also like plan planning that that tour. Um, so we've got. You know, like you said, we've done we've done a couple runs going south, hitting everything between here and Florida. So we've hit Kentucky, you know, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, West Florida, Virginia, Florida, West Virginia, Texas, Texas Arkansas, Arkansas. So um, there's kind of a, we're trying to figure out if the best move is to repeat uh, uh, that that route or um, doing a new one. And I can, I will promise you that one of the top two cities that always gets brought up is Chicago, because since we were, um, black coffee and had streaming on Chicago, Chicago has been like number one or two on our streaming. The whole, whole like time. The whole time. So, um, and that's where it, it was, you know, and that not to bring it full circle and go back to like COVID and 2020 and stuff, but that was what the, the bitch of, you know, releasing the music the last time was like, we wanted to fucking be there, man. Like we wanted to go everywhere we could. And then it's like, okay, well, there's only, you know, uh, a certain side of the aisle opens up everything in the South. It's like, okay, great. Let's go play all those shows. But everybody was getting canceled left and right. And people are like, you know, you're getting, people were getting murdered if they were trying to go out and play shows during 2020. So then it's like, but those are the only shows that are that's those are the only states that are available. And a bunch now of money's got robbed. Got robbed. I mean, there's a lot of I mean, so it's like um it's one of those things with where now we find finally, you know, and it, it's we have it's an weird. open road. We have an open road, it's freedom. Like now our every all chains and everything has been taken off. So now it's one of those things where we're just we're trying to move forward and like I said, um we'll probably retrace some of those steps in the south. Um hit some new places that we've never played before and try to go as far for as long as we can. Um, and now we finally, you know, cause a part of that booking agency, again, keeping it separate from the record label, but they were also tied in and working directly with the re- record label. So 
then you, you know, deal with a certain booking agent and, you know, one guy gets his feelings hurt because, you know, he was left out when we got the <laughs> record contract and then now the record contract's gone and their booking agent's going to go back to the guy and he's like, oh, well, I don't really feel like doing it. And then you go back and this, that. I'm not saying names. I'm just, I'm, 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 paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing here. But point being is, is like, it's music. It's showbiz. Everybody gets butt hurt. Everybody's emotional. Everybody is passionate about what they're doing. So it's like, all yeah, we whatever their is, job is, all we can do is control what we can control. Well, you got to have thick skin in this business. You know, Amen. you can't let things bother you for long. Um, I know when you mentioned Chicago, my son mentions that all the time, how Chicago is number one for South of Eden. <laughs> he, wears, he, he wears that like a badge. Oh, we know. Uh, Damn it, we deserve yeah, it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know. I can. I just think of bands today when when they just tour, they constantly tour. I think of like Blackberry Smoke, who is always playing, who's always on tour, you know. And and they they play Chicago three times a year, twice a year, you know. They they play, you know, different different venues, and they're always got a great crowd. Uh, at, at all the venues, but they play everywhere. They stay, I think they probably tour 250 days out of the year, you know, yeah. and they just stay on and they, and they build that following and they come back to markets that they did well. And they, they keep trying to grow markets, but yeah, that's, that's what you have to do. Um, I've talked to a lot of artists about living in that grind and, and, and doing that. And a lot of artists are, are accepting of the work that has to be done and unfortunately, there's some that don't. There, there's there's nothing more frustrating than, you know, a, a band that I love that releases album after album, but it doesn't play more than ten shows a year. You know, hey, um, easy man. <laughs> no, no, I, no. I'm I'm talking about like bands that have released like three or four albums, five albums that like for whatever reason they just don't want to do the grind. They just don't want to, you know, they don't want to do it. And I think. That's the key to building your fan base is doing that grind these days, you know? Yeah. yeah. Get yourself out there in front of people. Yeah. Right. I mean, and then you got to have the willingness to do it, which, you know, we're lucky enough to have, you know, uh, reliable transportation and good, good. Well, you're a good mechanic. That was my next follow up. We got good mechanics. And uh, I mean, everybody fills every person in this band wears multiple hats um and a lot of those hats aren't music related at all you know it's just making it just helps everything uh, all the gears like keep turning um and you know i mean like you know without that adversity what what are you going to write about <laughs> yeah you know? he's going to write about having a regular old tuesday regular old life man come on man when the bus breaks down on the side of the road for 12 hours you write a song about it. right and then well <laughs> and then that's the thing too it's like this band's never had a willingness issue it's been a um it's been what do you call it it's been like a um it's been a an issue of of jobs like i mean like when we were you know when we were doing our big push with the talk like it was being released in 2020 and it was literally like okay go play some shows in texas and florida and get reamed on facebook or go play secret shows in the south while everybody's you know staying at home and you know don't announce it which didn't feel very comfortable you know we didn't uh, we didn't like that idea either and then you delay and delay and delay 
And then now it's kind of like you're trying to pick back up that momentum, like we were talking about earlier again, momentum within the, you know, the people getting excited about it. And I'm happy that we're, we're, we should be again, one phone call away. We got, we got, we got to like, <laughs> <next> uh, one. <laughs> um, um, but we should be announcing a partnership with, um, with a booking agency here very soon. Um, and by soon, I mean like by the end of the week, um, so we're going to be, yeah, we're, we're moving forward and, and, um, they seem really, really, uh, motivated, really motivated. Yeah. For, and that's the, yeah, that's the fresh thing is, is, uh, there's a big, strong motivation, motivation to get us on the road and get us playing working gigs. Cause it sounds like we've got, you know, two, two, um, two issues that are the same. They kind of like what you were speaking. They were used to, um, getting gigs for a bunch, you know, different bands loaded them up with gigs and then it was like whoa 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 we want to go on the road but not that much and us is like dude just put us on the fucking road like that's all we need like we just need a show to go to a couple shows to go to so um so yeah i can see i i you know what i'm gonna make a prediction here right now and this is a stronger prediction than any mandalorian star wars content (laughs) i'm gonna predict that we will be playing one show at least in chicago in 2023 I, I, I can almost, just, just I'm going gar- to I'm gonna, I'm gonna guarantee it. I'm going to, as, as our de facto sitting manager, <laughs> I am going to go ahead and guarantee that. And I have had, by the way, let me see if this rings, uh, rings a bell to you. I've had our, uh, I've had my eyes on the bottom lounge. If it is still, if it is still is it good, there. Good. Does that yeah. get the, does that get the thumbs up of approval? Yes. Yes. I've seen the warning there. Nice. And I've seen big wreck there. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, so that's a great venue. I I was going to suggest, um, there are places that I would not play, especially during the week that are Mm -hmm. outside Chicago. Oh, we're coming for, for a weekend, baby. We want, we want, we want to do the big one. (laughs) Yeah. No, but the bottom lounge, I think is like 800 capacity. Um, there's also a place in the city, like there's the Cobra lounge. Um, that I know like Tuck Smith plays there. When he comes and a lot of other bands, it's a small, I think it's only like 300. The call for um, loud. Okay. There's, um, there, there's a lot of great places. I mean, you know, you, you can open up for a band at the Aragon or Riviera. Those are like 1800, 2500 capacity, but, um, but yeah, the bottom lounge is a great place. Um, Cobra lounge is a great place. Uh, elbow room is small, but it's still a cool place. Um, and there's some places out in the burbs. And there's also some places that I've seen bands play there, like on a Tuesday at a venue, you know, then on Tuesday, they have like 10 people there because it doesn't have the pull as the city does. Yeah. The city you play in the city, you're going to get people there because it's the city of Chicago and there's 3 million people in, in the city of Chicago, probably more. Yeah. Um, so they're going to come, but yeah. Um, God, there's so many cool places in the city to go see, but bottom lounge is one of my favorites. Um, it's really easy to get to, um, on and off the highway. So if you're coming from the burbs, which I'm coming from, it's no big deal. Um, but yeah, Cobra Lounge is really cool. God, there's so many. There's, um, yeah, I mean, I could send you a list of places, but there are also places that I'll send you that I don't want to say on the air that to stay away from. <laughs> stay away. Yeah. Avoid <laughs> because it'll be a waste of your time. Especially if it's like, especially if it's Monday through Thursday. We'll email about that. We'll yeah. follow up after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I mean, I go to probably 40 shows a year and you know, there's nothing more frustrating <laughs> to go see in a band that I love. And I walk in, and I go, man, why are they playing this place? 
Why are they playing here? No one's going to come, you know? So there's one place um, outside the Burbs that's their two biggest industries are prisons and steel. Oh, yeah. And uh, you don't want to play there during the week. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to play there because it's just it just nobody comes. There's no place like if you're coming from another area to go see a band, you want to eat dinner there, have a couple drinks and then walk over to the show. Yeah, that's what attracts people coming out of the city and other places. When you don't have that, it just kills the the crowd. It really does. It's th- that stuff really does matter. And we don't mind elbow room. That makes for a pretty good vibe most of the time. <laughs> yeah, Jared James Nichols just did the elbow room. Oh wow! Wait, there's a no. place called the elbow room. Yeah, yeah it's elbow to asshole. Well, yeah, I thought he was saying that the one place was elbow room. Yeah, no, but, like, no. I didn't realize. No, you know, no, no, no. There, there's a place room. called the elbow room, and then. <laughs> While you're in Chicago, you can head up to Wisconsin, play the Miramar Lounge, or you can play um, – Jared James Nichols just played Miramar, too. Um, and that's a cool place. Lincoln Hall is an awesome place. That's where I first saw Greta before they really blew up, and that's, that place is like 250 capacity. And I've seen Greta there. I've seen Tyler Bryant there. Where's um, that again? Wisconsin. Uh, Lincoln Hall. Okay. And I've seen Temperance Movement there. Um, which is a great band from Glasgow. I don't think they're, I don't think they're around anymore, but yeah, there's places to play, but yeah, just, um, we've been to Wisconsin once opening for Jackal. They were very, very kind to us. So yeah, we gotta, we gotta make it up there for a second try again. Where's that place? Oh, you mean, oh, you mean the people of Wisconsin were kind to Yeah. Oh, okay. oh you thought it was Jackal? <laughs> Where'd you guys play in Wisconsin? Oh, no idea. It, no, it, it was it was Jackal's show. I, I can't, can't remember. remember. Was it yeah. Madison? Was it Milwaukee? Was it? No, Alabama? it wasn't any of the, what. Because I've got um, I've got a great aunt in Madison. I would have remembered that. But the, <laughs> it's uh, it was some Racine. No, I had a roommate who lived in Racine. Racine. <laughs> I remember these there? names, but Green Bay. No, that's where Brett Favre lives. <laughs> Brett Favre I lives remember in that too. <laughs> um yeah so yeah we'll we'll talk offline but um i yeah i can't wait to see you guys here in chicago but there's plenty of places that are really cool i mean we got the bottom the elbow and the culver those are all really easy the the bottom cobra elbow elbow room uh bottom lounge and yeah there's probably there's some more that i just can't think of at the top of my head but um, well, if we if we book one and sell it out, we'll just book it another one. Yeah, <laughs> back to back. Yeah, you're yeah. a taste sample. Well, guys, man, it's been a blast. I, I I enjoyed having this conversation. Enjoyed finally having you back on and talking and finding out what's going on. And excited for the new music. Excited for you guys. Um, yeah, it's been great. It's been a blast. You guys uh, are always at the top of mind whenever I talk new bands and new artists. Well, thank, well, thank you, you, brother. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for spreading the word, man. It means a lot. And the hot dogs at Dirty Frank with the bacon are absolutely phenomenal. We have a Dirty Frank. Are you talking I, about I, our I know. Friend? I was there. I was there uh, in September for the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Oh, oh wow. nice. Nice. Hell Wait, yeah. who were you cheering for? Uh, All right, cool. End of the call. Uh, yep, good talking to you. About but my son, my son was going for Ohio oh. State. My son was going for Ohio State. I'm a fan of both teams, but I was pulling for Notre Dame. Wait, so your son's a fan of South of Eden and he likes OSU? Send him. Yeah. Send him here. Send him here. <laughs> send him here. Does He's he got a Justin Fields jersey. Yeah, he he uh he loves Ohio State. I do oh, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been I've been watching Ohio State since the days of Keith Bryars and Chris Spielman. Nice. And, 
Chris um, Bielman's uh, Eric now. Kumaro, Chris Carter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come All on. All-time greats, man. Goats. Yeah. But Notre Dame's a little bit above Ohio State. I just got to say. Oh, well, yeah, in terms of uh, your, your losers. <laughs> no, his memory's longer than ours. We keep it with short-term. Short-term success. Short-term success. Yeah. <laughs> when next year? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks again for doing this. Appreciate it. Good luck this year. And uh, can't wait to see what happens. Thanks, awesome. man. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Talk brother. All right, everyone, that is South of Eden. And look for their their album streaming or EP streaming everywhere soon. And uh, this is Jay Scott. It's been another episode of The Hook Rocks. Take care of each other, stay safe, and we will talk soon. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.